Picture this. A beautiful family is gathering together at the edge of El Dorado Ranch Park. It's a young couple excited with anticipation because today is the day. Today is the day they get to find out the gender of their dear child. Is it a boy? Is it a girl? People are standing around them laughing, dressed in various shades of blues and pinks with the sheer hope that their guess is the right guess. I don't know what you get. If you guess the right guess, maybe you get to name the kid or something. I don't know. But they're laughing and kind of celebration subsides as they all kind of lean in and get ready to set off the smoke-generating pyrotechnic device. Ready? Boom! Blue smoke starts pouring out. They all start to clap and laugh, high-five, and then black smoke starts to pour out. And then gasps and then screams because this gender reveal party, this is a true story, ended up burning down more than 20,000 acres, and it ended up killing a firefighter battling the blaze. It's a boy. Fires can be a pretty big deal in our lives. And while wildfires might be a big concern in the Midwest or on a day like today, we can kind of relate to fire. And it might not be a wildfire, but many of us are battling a fire in our lives. See, fires kind of threaten us reminds us that we might lose everything or cause a huge amount of damage in our lives. It could even be deadly. And I don't know what it is for you in your life right now, but I know that a lot of us are battling one fire or another. Maybe it's a financial fire and you just don't know how you're going to pay the next bill. Maybe it's a relationship fire and it just hurts every single day. Maybe it's a fire at work with a boss or a coworker. Maybe it's a fire at home in the place that you should be the safest, you feel the least safe. Maybe it's a health-related fire. You and somebody you know and there's the diagnosis and you just don't know what to do. Maybe it's a Mother's Day-related fire and today is anything but happy for you because it reminds you of fire, fire of infertility or fire of a broken relationship with a parent or, or fire of something that you don't have. See, we're battling a fire. So what do you do when the fire is raging and it's everywhere around you and you're just smack dab in the middle of the fire? Well, check this out. This is 1 Peter 1.7. These trials, these fires, will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, through many fires, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Now, one of the main points in that verse is we all go through fires. We have pain, we have hurt, we have trials. And maybe that doesn't bring you very much hope today. That's not a very fun way to start. It's kind of a little hopeless. But listen, see, fire and struggle are a part of our lives. We kind of know that. And one reason I believe that we can have hope is, as this kind of verse says, is it reveals fire, trials, hurt, reveals stuff in us. It helps us grow. It refines us. And I believe that fires and faith, fires and faith are really closely related. So this is kind of our jumping off point today. Here's a principle. Here's a big idea we're going to talk about throughout our time together today. A fire-tested faith is firm. It's a good thing. Now, we've been reading 
through the book of Daniel in something we call the Ridge Reading Challenge. And that's basically just reading through the Bible every day together as a church, Monday through Friday. If you don't do that, I would encourage you to do it. You can download our app. It's right there baked into the app. And we've been talking about this king in the book of Daniel named King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar is a bad dude. I mean, he's brutal, he's ambitious, he's a murderer, he's a slave owner. Like, he's kind of like world domination, I want everyone to be enslaved to me kind of guy. He's just not a good guy. And he was arrogant too, and here's how I know. At one point, he decided to make a huge statue of himself. And he told everyone in the kingdom that they needed to come and worship this gold statue. It's 90 feet tall. It's nine feet wide. Can you imagine if your neighbor had a 90 feet tall and nine foot wide statue of themselves? See, King Nezi ordered everybody in the kingdom, all these important people, to come to the dedication of this statue. It was like a can't-miss thing. There are more people at the dedication of this statue than there are people waiting the night before Chick-fil-A opens. Like, it is a huge deal. So the king has this servant, a herald, shout out these instructions to all these really important people. So this is the herald talking. This is what he says. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. That doesn't sound very much fun. What would you do? If you're in that situation, would you kind of try to sneak away maybe? Try to ignore it? You're like, I didn't understand anything after the word zither, so I don't really know what you're saying, so I'm out. The people there were so afraid of King Nebuchadnezzar that everybody did what he asked. They bowed low, even if they think it's ridiculous, even if they're looking at the statue and they're like, they didn't get your eyebrows right. That's kind of weird, King. Like even if they don't know what is going on, they're bowing because they don't want to die. Everybody bows except for three teenage boys, Shadrach Meshach, and Abednego. See, these three boys, they're probably 14 years old at the time. And they didn't believe that King Nebuchadnezzar was a god. They believed in the real and in the true God. So they said, ah, I don't think I can bow. They didn't bow. Now we're in the series right now called Stand. And we're talking about courage. And we're talking about faith. And these teenage boys were standing up tall when everybody else was bowing low. Why would they do that? What motivated them to do that? To a death threat. I mean, sure death. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the rest of this story and some qualities of a fire-tested faith that's firm. So here's the first thing that I want to mention. See, faith obeys God first. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Rakshak, and Benny, they didn't bow They didn't do a lot of other things too. They didn't stop and fast about it or pray about it. They didn't have like this dramatic stand and post on Instagram like hashtag never bow or anything like that. They didn't ask a bunch of people what they should do. They didn't like crowd test it or anything. See, everybody bows. They don't move a muscle. Why? Well, Tim talked about it last week. They had already decided that they were going to obey God first no matter what. 
They would only bow to God. They're not bowing to the king. They're not bowing to their feelings. They're not bowing to their fear. They're not bowing to a death threat. They obey God first, period, end of discussion. So they didn't bow, and guess what? They got caught. You know why? Well, think about like a field of people, and everybody's bowing low, and then there are these like three guys like just standing there. Like, hey. They stick out. Everybody saw them. And they get brought before the king, and the king not very happy about it. And the king calls them in. They're like, hey, okay, teenage punks, did you not understand what I said? Maybe you didn't because you're teenagers. I don't know. Did you not understand? Is it true that you didn't bow? And this is what the king says to them. I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Second time he mentions it. You will die. And then what God will be able to rescue you from, check this out, my power. He just thinks he's it. So Rakshak and Benny could have easily, at this point, gotten out of the situation. You could just say, okay, we we got it. We made our point. We had this opportunity, right, to to kind of make our point. We're in front of the king. We're like, hey, I'm out. I I might have done that. Be like, hey, it was easy to stand with nobody. Well, I thought there were no consequences, but I'm over here now, and uh, you're about to kill me. And you're intimidating because not bowing means certain death. And here's, here's part of the point of this. If you're a follower of Jesus, we will have opportunities to change our mind. We will be tempted to change our mind. We have this opportunity to stand firm and we will have opportunity after opportunity after that to change our mind, to do something against God rather than standing firm in faith. See, the devil tries to wear us down and thinks eventually we'll make the wrong choice. It's like when my kids come and ask me if they can watch the iPad every like 10 seconds. And I go, no. And they come back, no. And they come back, no. And like 72 times later, this is not good parenting, by the way. And they're like, can I, can I watch it? And you're like, yes, finally go. Like, I don't, I don't even, Whatever. See, we have these opportunities over and over and over again to make good and bad choices. We have to practice every day standing firm. And they had an opportunity to change their mind, but they're like, no, we've pre-decided we're not going to compromise. We're going to obey God first. Anything that doesn't line up with what God wants, we're not going to do. So what happens next? Well, King Nebuchadnezzar is like, okay, second chance punks, and they didn't bow. And instead, they said this, and this is awesome. And if you're a teenager, this is your moment. Like, this is incredible. Think about how impactful this is. This is what they said. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. What? That's awesome. 14 years old, standing right down to the most powerful person in the world. It's really likely he was one of, if not the most powerful person in the world at this time. He has threatened to kill them twice. And they say, hey, we don't even need to defend ourselves before you. That's amazing to me. They're like, respectfully, no. And they're like, that means we will die. But check out what they say after that, because they're not even done. This is verse 17. So if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Remember how Nebuchadnezzar said, my power will kill you. And they're like, well, he'll rescue us from your power. And they show the king, notice, they show the king respect. 
I think that's fascinating. I think that's interesting because when I'm standing firm, usually I'm defiant. Usually I'm mad. Usually I'm yelling and screaming and going, no, I will not. I cannot. I won't. And they're going, respectfully, sir, your majesty. And he's like, bow. And they're like, no, respectfully. Kill them in the furnace. He's like, no, we obey God first. That's amazing to me. And faith obeys God first. That's what they're modeling here. But what else? does faith do? Well, here's the second thing. Faith believes without seeing. Isn't that that fascinating? See, faith believes without seeing. Think about what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could see in this moment with their own two eyes. They're looking around. They see the most powerful person in the world who's threatened to kill them. They see his guards, the big dudes, got all this armor and a sword and a spear. They see and they turn around and they see there are hundreds of other people in this room with them watching this go down. King Nebuchadnezzar is not going to back off. This is Game of Thrones type of stuff. Like this is a real deal. He's going to kill them. They know it. And they're guilty. Don't let that get by you. They actually did break the law. It just wasn't a God-honoring thing. They know they really might die. And they say, no. Now put Daniel 3.17 back up. They say, no. And check this out. Because the God whom we serve is able to save us. The king thinks he has all the power. He doesn't. God does. Think about that situation in your life, that fire that's raging, that's hot, that's hard. Maybe you realized, you know what, that relationship, that marriage is broken. Maybe you realize today you found out about a secret in somebody that you love, that addiction, that pain, you don't know what to do. Maybe you realize no matter how hard you pretend that you're okay, you're not okay, and you keep damaging these other things and other relationships and other opportunities around you, and the fire is hot, and it is raging, and it is closing in, and you don't know what to do. What does our faith tell us to do? Well, in the fire, when things are bad, this is what Shadrach and Meshach say. They say, God is able to save me no matter what. God's not confined by what I think he can do. That's so good. He's not confined by what I think he should do. He is able. And we allow ourselves to believe that our circumstances, our hurts, our pain, our struggle, our fires are out of control like a wildfire, and we don't know what to do, and we can't put it out, and we can't do anything about it. And maybe that's true. Maybe we can't put it out, but he can, and he does, because he is able to save us. I've seen it with my own two eyes. He's able to mend the broken marriage. He's able to assist the brokenhearted. He's able to heal the broken bodies. He is able. Now, this reminds me of a story true story about my friend Lisa. Lisa's been involved in Celebrate Recovery here at the Ridge for 16 years, and her hurts include two divorces that she didn't want, years of infertility, and the loss of three babies. And after losing twins, she chose to drink wine to numb her grief. Once she entered recovery, she discovered these underlying fears and this anger and this, these resentments that she didn't even know she had, all this fire raging around her. She didn't initially want to walk through the doors of a recovery program. But today, and these are her words, she credits her recovery and complete transformation 
to the same saving power that brought Jesus back to life. The same saving power that's able to save Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I love stories like that. Story that God is able. Maybe you have examples of those stories in your life where you go, I got to come out of this fire and it's amazing and I love that. But hear me, because I have a question anytime somebody says stuff like that. This is a little window into my mind and I'm sorry about that. But what if he doesn't? Like what if he doesn't save us from the fire? Because we all probably have examples of that too. When you pray and you wholeheartedly believe God will heal someone and they don't get healed. What if you pray and you wholeheartedly believe that the kid that you want to come home is continuing to rebel and turn away from God? What if you pray and wholeheartedly believe that you've given this brokenness everything you've got and it's not being restored and you're obeying God first and you're believing without seeing and you're doing it and you think he's able but it doesn't happen? What do you do then? Well, the story's not over. And here's something I think, here's the third thing I really want to make sure that we remember. See, faith is our responsibility. The outcome is God's. See, these three teenage boys, they're staring down the most powerful person in the world, and they say, I believe that my God is able, and that's amazing, but they didn't even stop there. And this is gold and really important. Check this out. This is Daniel 3.18. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, respectful still, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Our God can save us. He is able. We believe it. But even if he doesn't, and some of us are right there. We're at that moment. You know, we say, I believe, I know he's able. I've seen him be able. But even if he doesn't, That's faith. See, these boys don't know what's going to happen. They're facing a hot furnace, and the outlook is not great for them. And they're going, you know what, I'm going to put faith in God first, and my faith believes in what it can't see, but even if he doesn't. And King Nebuchadnezzar responds to this by losing his mind. I mean, he starts to yell. He's so angry. And he says, I'm going to stoke that furnace to seven times hotter than normal. And he asks the strongest soldiers to tie up Rakshak and Benny. And it's so hot. And they throw these teenage boys into the fire. And it's so hot that the guys who threw them into the fire end up dying. That's how hot it is. And all seemed lost, but suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? And they're like, yep, we certainly did. They replied, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace, and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out! Come here! 
So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. And that's amazing because God is able. And I so want the point of this story to be that if we have faith, we get to step out of any fire at any time just because we're faithful. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes when we put our faith in God, we get delivered out of a really hard circumstance. We get to come out of the fire. But I don't want you to miss the point of the story. See, God doesn't always deliver us out of a fire. And some of you are facing a fire right now that is big or it's small, but it's dangerous and you're terrified and you're begging God to deliver you. And I wish I could tell you that he always does in the way we want, but I think he can. I think he's able. But even if he doesn't, hear me, here's the point of the story. God shows up in the fire. Every time. They threw these three boys completely tied up. And now they see these four guys walking around in there. See, God shows up. And in this case, they're unharmed. They're unburned. They didn't even smell like campfire. Do you understand how big of a miracle it is to not smell like campfire? I smell like campfire. I was around one seven weeks ago. This is a huge deal. But God shows up right there in the middle of the fire. And hear me, perhaps the very thing you want God to deliver you from is the very thing God is using to set you free. Because something did burn up in the fire. It wasn't Rakshak and Benny. It wasn't their clothes. But they were in there tied up. They came out unbound. God showed up in the fire. And he can, and he is able to deliver you from it. And we have faith. We can say, I obey him first, and he's able. But even if he doesn't, see, the outcome is up to him. Either way, God shows up right smack dab in the fire. And how does that story end? Because that's a pretty baller ending right there. Like they come out and then roll credits, right? But the story's not quite done. This is Daniel 3.28. So then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. See, God shows up in the fire and it changes things. And yes, in this story, they get to come out of the fire. And he's able to do that. He has done that. Maybe he's doing that in your life right now. And that is amazing. But when God shows up in the fire, in your hurt, in your pain, in your struggle, and you respond with faith, that's our responsibility, God can sometimes use the fire to set you free from something. And even if you don't get to leave the fire, this is the point, remember, when you respond in faith, he shows up and people see it. King Nezi sees it. He responds and he says, I'm going to praise the one true God. Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you're in your fire and you are faithful and it seems to be raging and it is hard, but God shows up in the fire and other people see the fire in your life and he sees God shows up in the fire and they say, I see, I see that he is able. I see that he loves you. How could you possibly stand firm in the fire? And your response is, because he is able, but even if he doesn't, God stands firm in the fire. And they start to see God, and they start to say, praise be to the God of Philip, 
who even after a divorce gives hope and peace and joy to other people. Praise be to the God of Jennifer who's set free from addiction. She's out of that fire. Praise be to the God of Jonathan who starts to honor God with his finances even when it's hard. Praise be to the God of Katie who loves her kids even when they're far from God. When you stand in the middle of the fire and it's raging around you, people watch you. And they will see what you do. And my hope, my prayer, is that they don't see me, they don't see you, that they look right past us, just like Nebuchadnezzar did, and they see that God is in the fire. And that provides me hope and joy and peace that even on the hottest fire-filled days, that I can remember that a fire-tested faith is firm. And it can be because God shows up in the fire every single time. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we have fires raging all around us, in us, in our homes, in our hearts. And I, I do wish that we could just say, and just take them all away, and that you would. You can, and I know that you can, and there are situations that you are. And I, I praise your name for that. Praise be to the Most High God, like Nebuchadnezzar said. But we're reminded today, I'm reminded today, that even in the midst of the fire, when we're standing right smack dab in the middle of it, that you show up, that there's another one in the fire with us, and that you love us, and you encourage us, and you take care of us. And the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is this reminder of what you can do. And we know the end of their story. We don't know the end of our story in this life, but we do know the end of our story in eternal life. And that either way, we get to come out of the fire. And either way, you show up in the fire. I'm thankful for that reminder. And my prayer is that you encourage us, you help us, that as we interact this week, as we walk through our lives and the fires are raging and we're trying to put them out and we're trying to fight them, that you help us remember that you're there in the fire with us. That Jesus loves us and that we can have hope because of the cross. Come what may. Even if you don't, we trust you. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray today. Amen.